0: Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast powered by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are a one-size-fits-all helmet cover that help reduce impact for your players during practice. Coach Perry is a huge proponent of Guardian Caps after using them at Pearl High School, and it was one of the first football items he purchased when taking the job at Nixon. Caps are mandated by the NFL for O-line, D-line, linebackers, tight ends, and running backs, and utilized by over 270 colleges, over 3,000 high schools, and over 600 youth programs across the country. As helmets become more and more expensive, the Guardian Caps also do a great job of protecting your helmet investment. See the link in our show notes for more information on Guardian Cap. In each episode, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone
1: simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. All right, welcome back to the early week edition of Never Stop Getting Better this will be the final Monday of 2023. And I wanted to give you a special gift on the final Monday of 2023. This is a repeat guest, but he's one of my favorite humans in the entire world. And it's one Dr. Rob Gilbert. He's a sports psychologist at Montclair State University. If you listen to the show routinely, you've heard me talk about Dr. Gilbert a ton, so he probably don't need a huge introduction. But today's Success hotline message was message number 11,994. That's 32 plus years of leaving a positive motivational type story for you to benefit your life. That number, again, in case you're not a caller, 973-743-4690. Dr. Gilbert, what do you got for us today on the last Monday of 2023?
0: Well, today is Christmas Day coach, and what I was thinking, I'll be success hotline Santa today. And what I want to give the callers is I want to give them something that they could use with their team, they could use with their athletes, they could use with their students, the next if if, if you're training them this afternoon, if you're working out with them tomorrow, if you're teaching them on January 2nd, I don't want to just give you like stuff that you could think about. I want to give you stuff you could do and you can actually use. Does that sound good to you?
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome, Doc.
0: Uh, But let's start with the overriding story. And I teach sports psychology, and this is everything you need to know about sports psychology in one story. So way back in the 1950s, there was a rich English nobleman Who had an estate outside of london and every christmas day he had this huge christmas dinner he had this big dinner table that 30 people could get around and every year he would invite a famous person an author a politician an actor a singer and this year the great english actor charles lawton shakespearean trained incredible voice academy award winner stage and screen, was going to show up, and everybody was excited. So he shows up, and people want their autog- his autograph and stuff. And everybody sat down for this incredible dinner. And right before dessert, they always had a ritual. Before they served dessert, they went around the table. And everybody, whether it was a kid or an adult, they recited something. They danced the dance. They sang a song. They did something to remind everybody of the Christmas spirit. Some people told jokes. Some people recited poems. So one by one they went around the table. When they got to Mr. Lawton's turn, he recited the 23rd Psalm: "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." And everybody liked it. It was breathtaking with his incredible booming voice. And he was when he was done. Everybody applauded. They went around. They went. Around, they went around, and they were all done. And they're just about to serve dessert when one of the kids said, daddy, daddy, we forgot auntie. And auntie fell asleep on a sofa off to the side. And and the nobleman said, oh, wake auntie up. She likes this. So they woke her up and she didn't know what happened for the past hour. So she came back to a place at the table. They said, auntie, it's your turn. She said, okay. And she too, not knowing what happened before, recited the 23rd Psalm. And everybody cried. And then they went on to dessert and they went on to some festivities. And then it was time for Mr. Lawton to leave. So the nobleman walked him to the door and he said, Mr. Lawton, thank you for coming. But before you leave, there's a mystery that happened today. How come when you recited the 23rd Psalm, people applauded? But when Auntie recited the 23rd Psalm, People cried. Why the difference? Mr. and Lock, he said, oh, there's a very simple difference. You see, sir, I know the song. Your auntie knows the shepherd. Mm. Wow. So there's a big difference between knowing a story and telling a story. There's a big difference between knowing the skill and performing the skill. Like, if you're a leader, if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, if you're a business person and people work for you, you have to act with total certainty. You just can't say, oh, well, we've got to do A, B, C, D. You have to believe in A, B, C, and D. So at the end of the semester, uh, of course, the school evaluates me, but I do my own evaluation. I pass out an index card. And I said, this what you're going to do now is going to determine whether I retired or not, because I'm 76 years old. And I said, Here's what I want you to rate me on on a scale of one to 10. How much do you believe I believe in what I'm telling you? And I said, Now listen closely. It's not how much you believe what I'm saying, it's how much do you believe that I believe what I'm saying. For example, if I were a minister or a priest or a rabbi or whatever, It's not, I'm not asking you whether what I say helps you believe in God. I'm saying, do you believe that I believe in God? So let's bring it down to a coach. Do they believe that you believe in the offensive system? Do they believe that you believe in the the special teams? You know, I mean, so we have to believe it, believe it, believe it. And that is the secret. So knowing the story is Mr. Lawton's, it's not enough you have to know it physically, mentally, and emotionally. That's how you get people to cry. And um you know, when uh, they said when um I forget who it was. When Thucydides spoke, people applauded. But when Cicero spoke, people marched.
1: That's the difference, you know? No doubt. What so- what when you when you pass your index cards out and they have them rate you how do they rate you
0: i i get a few eights i get a lot of nines and i get some tens (laughs) but if i if i got five or sixes i'm i'm losing it you know i mean because i'm not i'm not saying i'm telling you don't have to like me matter of fact you could dislike me but you have to dislike me because you believe that i believe you know
1: you know i have a have a uh i have a belief Just like the story you're telling, that if you don't believe, there's no way they can believe. And I know in my career, I've had a point in time where I don't know if I really believed we could win it all. But as soon as I started believing that we could, honestly, in my heart, believed it. The kids bought in and believed it. And then we go 16 and 0. Let me ask you this. When did.
0: I'm a a little offended. You know, here we are 10 or 15 minutes into the interview. And, you know, I know you've interviewed people who are much younger than me. They're much better looking than me. They're much more articulate than me. But please give me some. Give me some love. Have you ever interviewed anybody that's better dressed than me? Look at this. Come on.
1: Well, for those of you that can't see, Come on. Dr. Gilbert is Come wearing an Ole Miss shirt, hotty totty, as well as a Nixa Eagle cap. Like, my man is dressed to the T for okay. today. Now, Doc, I'm going to be well, honest. You
0: know, we, we got to go to here. we got to go to here. So yeah. do, you know, do you know who's uh, from Yazoo City, Mississippi? Zig Ziglar. That's right. So let me tell you a Zig Ziglar story. So Zig got out of college, and he this is way back in the 50s, and he got a job selling pots and pans door to door. And you know, when they interviewed Zig, they, they the the VP and the president, they said, "Oh my God, this guy's going to be a superstar." Well, he's on the road for almost a month, and he hasn't sold anything. And finally, the president said to the VP in charge of sales, "Spend a day with this Zigwood kid. We we got to got to get him on board. You know, he hasn't done anything for us." So he went down, he went on all of his appointments, and Zig was great, but he didn't sell anything. So they're at lunch, and the sales train of the sales manager is trying to figure this out. He said, Zig, can I ask you a question? He said, sure, ask me anything. He said, Zig, do you own our pots and pans? I know you sell our pots and pans. Do you? He said, well, as soon as I get enough money, that's the first thing I want to buy. He said, Zig, that's a problem. Now, that's the same story as Charles Lawton. Charles Lawton knew the song, but he didn't buy the song, you know? Auntie bought the song.
1: Yeah, if if you ain't bought the pots and pans, and you ain't loving the pots and pans, and you ain't believing in the pots and yeah. pans, you ain't selling the pots and pans. You know what so, I'm saying?
0: If you're selling Ford trucks, you better own a Ford truck.
1: You darn skimpy. Hey, let me ask you this, Doc because you are um, considered worldwide as the greatest storyteller of all time, just, just under, maybe just under Santa Claus, but next to him, it's you. Where did the art of storytelling come from? Like where did you decide that stories were important, that stories are how people learn? Like, where did that thought come from?
0: Wow. That's a really good question. Um, I guess. When I'm in uh, graduate school and it seems like I'm going to get my degree because (laughs) a lot of times i am say, yeah, okay, I'll be a wrestling coach someplace. But it seems I'm going to get my degree. And I when I thought of myself as a a professor, I didn't want to teach like any of my teachers. I said, I'm not going to do it this way. I'm not going to do it this way. And then I was lucky enough to get a job at Montclair State and which is 12 miles from New York City. So then, as soon as I started teaching, every weekend I go to a workshop. Every day I go go to a seminar. Every weekend I go see a speaker. And now, this is before the internet. It's not like I could go to podcasts. And I started noticing that they were storytellers and my teachers weren't. You know, that was the difference. My teachers were giving information, but these people who are on the road making their. See, if I teach the best class I ever taught this past semester, or if I taught the worst class I ever taught this past semester, I'm going to get paid the most, the same amount. Sure. Same amount. But these people are out there doing it. The people aren't showing up. Their kids aren't eating, you know? So they know the secret. And it's no secret because there was a storyteller 2,000 years ago. Now, they didn't say he told stories. They said he told parables. That's right. Of course, I'm talking about Jesus. So if it was good enough for Jesus, it's surely good enough for Rob Gilbert and Coach Perry.
1: No doubt about and, it. And
0: that's, that's a secret. And it's, you know. So let's talk about stories. Um, on the other day on the hotline, I had people say, what is the greatest uh, sports movie of all time? And the reason I said this is because two days from when we're talking, on Christmas Day, the boys in the boat. Yep. What a story that is, if you don't know the story about the rowing team in the 1936 Olympics. So. I said, okay, the boys in the boat. And I said, what's your favorite sports movie? And they said, Miracle was number one, Hoosiers was number two, Coach Carter, remember the Titans, Rocky, Rudy, the natural got a lot of votes. And I said, what do they all have in common? What is the same? They all have the same story. I mean, different venues. Rocky's in a boxing ring, and the guys from Washington are on the water and all, Miracle, Boys in the Boat, what do they all have in common? The hero, whether it's an individual or a team, they all do their best when it means the most. When it comes down to that crucial, you know, when Rocky's in the ring, when the University of Washington are going against a German boat, I mean, the, the, the hero does their best when it means the most. So that's, and that's what sports psychology is all about. How do we train athletes to do their best when it needs the most. Anybody could do their best in practice.
1: Let me ask you this, Doc. Where does The Boys in the Boat, the book, rank in your list of books? Uh, I see it.
0: Well, let me tell you a story about 10 or 11 years ago and i got a call from my mom who was a voracious reader and she said robert um the librarian uh, told me about a sports book that i'm reading i really like and um i think you should read it i said mom this is my job <laughs> what are the chances that the librarian the newton public library is going to know something that i don't know well guess what she did and she told my mom about the book. <laughs> and I got it. It's not even, I can't say it's a great sports book. It is the best sports book I've ever read. It's the best sports book ever written. It's phenomenal. Daniel James Brown.
1: So, well, um, Doc, Doc, I heard you tell that story about your mom and the book yeah. recommendation, you know, several years ago. So I bought the book. Yeah, the book, you know, it's been several years ago. Well, on our trip to Mississippi this past weekend, me and my wife, I bought the book and we are listening to the book on the eight hour trip down and the eight hour trip back. And, you know, it's wonderfully read. I don't know the guy's name that reads it, but it is a fantastic book. And I, you know, like I was telling this story yesterday, Doc, Joe, who's one of the main characters in the book, at 10 years old, Joe is dropped off at a schoolhouse, you know, and his dad cuts a deal with him to live in the schoolhouse because his dad's wife don't want it. And then at 15, after they've semi been reunited, the family leaves Joe to fend for himself at the homestead. And I just think, you know, that was uh, in the twenties. And I think how far we've come as a society, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, at 10 years old, your father would drop you off. And I know that's not uncommon. And there are, you know, people that are absent in their kids' lives today. But that book is phenomenal because it takes us through some time periods that I didn't live through. So, you know, hearing about him and it's just, you know, it's really crazy. Yesterday, he's telling a story about when his folks left. He's 15 years old. He has nothing. He has no money. He has nothing. So he would go down Catch some salmon, strap him on his back, walk three and a half miles to town, sell him to a uh, to a to a restaurant or whatever, and then turn around and walk home. And I sit around sometimes. I sit around sometimes and wonder why I'm fat. I take an Uber if I'm going one mile down the road to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, society has changed. But I would say this: you kind of, you kind of, you kind of hurt my heart when you said. Have you seen the movie already? Yeah, I did. And, you know, you said the movie doesn't do the book justice, but I can't wait to see the movie. I,
0: I said that before I even saw the movie. Right. And I'm going to go see the movie again. But, see, one of the nice things about stories is there's a part of our brain, when you're telling that story, I said, oh, that reminds me. So let me tell you a story that, that reminds me. There's a kid who lives, you know, in the rich suburbs. And one day it's snowing. So he said, Dad, could you give me a ride to school? I don't want to walk to the bus stop. And the dad's giving me a ride to school. And he said, son, when Abraham Lincoln was your age, he used to walk five miles to school and five miles home. And the son said, well, thanks for telling me, Dad. I I didn't realize that. And then the son said, Dad, when Abraham Lincoln was your age, he was president of the United
1: States. (laughs) That's a good one.
0: Yeah.
1: That's a good one. Hey, I got a good one for you, Doc. Hold on. I got a good one for you. Yeah. This is this is 30, this is 30 years ago. I'm sitting in a coaching clinic and uh I'm listening to the head football coach at Tulane at the time. I don't even know the guy's name. He was a big fella. And he made the statement that they don't stretch. He's like, we don't stretch. He said, Have you ever seen a dog? get up and stretch before it chases a car. Obviously, everybody was like, no. But there was one guy in the back of the room said, no, never seen a dog stretch before he chases a car. But I've also never seen a human lick his butt. So I don't know. Like, maybe we should stretch. (laughs) That's a good one. So how about if we
0: give, you know, to be Santa today, I want to give people stuff that they could use, Okay. Yes, sir. Okay, you need an old-fashioned dictionary. So I may believe I'm in class. And I'm just waiting. You know, it's like you're have you, you you're just waiting for the opportune moment. And in class, somebody sometime or on your team, somebody sometime will say, oh, coach, it's going to be impossible for us to beat them. It's going to be impossible for me to get into college. It's going to be impossible. And you said, Johnny, what really did you just say? And you say, uh, Coach, I said the writ impossible. I said, Johnny, that's, could you define what impossible is? Uh, and Johnny tries to, well, you know, it's, kind of, oh, it's okay. I got a dictionary. Johnny, come up here and look up impossible in the dictionary. And Johnny's going to go through it and go through it and help him with the spelling. And then he's going to say, Coach, it's not here. And the reason it's not there is because <laughs> you cut it out of the dictionary. And then you say, Johnny, impossible. In other dictionaries, it might be in a dictionary, but I don't want it to be in your dictionary up here.
1: That's awesome. And it, and for those of you that, you know, can't see, he held up the dictionary and the word impossible was actually cut out of the dictionary. So, you know, you just need your dictionary. You need to cut out the word. And, it, and it's a great story.
0: Now, the thing is, I'm in the School of Education, and we have a seven-story building, and I walk around, and uh, I'm not defaming my colleagues, but there's something that's happening in education nowadays that we say, well, if I have a good PowerPoint, it means I'm a good teacher. No, if you have a good PowerPoint, that means... You know, like uh, if I have a good playbook, that means I'm a good coach. No, it means you have a good playbook, you know. If I have a good menu, the food is good. No, the menu's good. Sure. So um we gotta play games. We gotta do things differently. Um so on October fifteenth, I don't know if this is still true, but for years and years, October fifteenth was the year that NCA and at least in division three, that's when winter we sports could start practicing. So about my first 20 or 25 years at Montclair State, we had this legendary basketball coach, Coach Gelston. And I used to be in the gym every October 15th because here's how we started the first practice. This was tryouts. He had everybody get in the stands, 50 or 60 kids would get in the stands and the old coach would come in and then look around. He said, you know, you're you're all from different high schools. You all had different coaches and all your coaches had different rules. So I'm going to make it real simple for you. I'm only going to have one rule for you. If you want to play for me at Montclair State, I'm going to have one rule. Be at the right place at the right time and do the right thing. That's it. Be at the right place at the right time and do the right thing. Now, I'm speaking to the audience. If you have somebody in your life, like I had coached Gelston, if you have an old coach or if you have the teacher in your school, that said something legendary that you repeat, don't just say it, put it on a plaque. Oh. You know, this makes it legendary. give speech. I, you know, at the end of the speech and they say, thank you very much, Dr. Gilbert, and they applaud it. And then I go, oh, oh, by the way, I'd like to thank Coach Perry for inviting me here today. And uh, Coach Perry, then I tell the Coach Gelson story and then I give you the plaque and everybody applauds again. And then I come back and see you in a few months, and this is on your wall. No doubt about it. Yeah, you you might have forgot my talk, but you didn't forget the plaque. So make somebody legendary. This is how you could make somebody legendary. Man. The words are fleeting, plaques are forever. And how
1: much is the plaque? I mean, seriously. $10 maybe. Yeah. I, hope. I love it. Coach Gelson's only rule, be at the right place at the right time and do the right thing. Is on a plaque that he's, that he's showing me. And I think that's absolutely awesome. A plaque costs absolutely nothing. And I've never thought about that. Yeah. But that's what
0: takes it to the next level. Mm. Or you could give the plaque out after every game, you know, who, who, who was first in hustle today, you know? So now let me read this story. I've never used before. I'm going to read it. And because everything we've been talking about is we've been talking about, you know, best and all this let's talk about the worst so a major league owner once spoke of the zach bonera rule of life oh not zach zeke the zeke bonera rule of life you see old zeke was a crummy first baseman he's a major leaguer one of the game's worst fielders but every year he would end up with the best fielding percentage in the major leagues so he's the worst fielder, but he has the best fielding possession percentage. Uh, uh, percentage. Now, Zeke was no brain trust, but he knew better than anyone else that you could never get charged with an error if you didn't touch the ball. So with that in mind, he managed to avoid doing anything that looked remotely difficult. <laughs> so <laughs> He would never die for a ball. If it wasn't coming right towards him, he'd let it go by because he was more concerned with his fielding percentage than he was with his winning uh, <laughs> the game. No doubt. So the ultimate in sports psychology, there's only one question. The ultimate question. So when I ask my students, what is the most important question you'll ever answer in your whole life? And they say, where am I going to go to college? What am i am going to major in? Who I'm going to marry, what religion I'm going to be, where I'm going to live, what job I'm going to take. I said, you know, those are all important questions, but that that's not the question. The question is are you going to go all out or are you going to hold back? Are you yeah. going to give a full effort or give a partial effort? Are you going to be in school or are you going to be into school? Are you yeah. going to be in a job or into a job? Another way of saying it are you going to be a mother or father or are you going to be a mommy or daddy? Mm. There's a big difference between being a mother and a father and a mommy or dad.
1: No doubt about it. Are you going to go all out or not? Yeah. And that that's in anything you do, right? I mean, if you're going to yeah, do, do it, it, go all out. If you're not going to go all out, don't do it at all. You know, you don't have to be the smartest
0: teacher to be the best teacher. You don't have to be the most skilled to be the best athlete. I mean, it's all comes down to energy, 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 energy. You know, Zeke, no energy, you know, no energy at all. Ray Lewis a lot of energy. So let's talk about energy. But we're talking about extreme, extreme, extreme energy. So um, there was a place in Pennsylvania called Deer Lake. And that's Muhammad Ali had his training headquarters. That's where he would go. Now, Muhammad Ali didn't isolate. He actually had p- fans paid to come watch him train. So one day he's training for an upcoming fight. And he's in the ring doing sit-ups, 137, 138, 139, 140. Then he gets up, he leaves the ring, his handless him off. And one of the fans came over. He said, hey, champ, how many many sit-ups did you do? And Ali said, you know, I'm not really sure. He said, what do you mean not sure? I heard you counting. He said, oh, I only start counting when they start hurting. Hmm. That's the difference between good and great. So I went to see Angelo Dundee, Ali's trainer, give a talk once, and um, he just came out with his autobiography. And I'm always looking for stories, and he's a great guy. And it was a, but I didn't get a story I could use. So I said, Mr. Dundee, who's the greatest, the hottest working athlete you ever trained? And he said, Oh, that's easy, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. And I never heard that. Ali was a hard worker. He said, oh, he outworked everybody. So that led me to read a biography of Ali. And in the biography was a quote. And Ali said, I hated every moment of training. I said, wow. The the trainer said that he was the hardest worker. Ali outworked them all, but he hated it. But the whole quote is, I hated every moment of training. But I said to myself, don't quit. Suffer now. And I could spend the rest of my life as a champion. I hated every moment of training, but I said to myself, don't quit, suffer now, and I could spend the rest of my life as a champion. So when I was at UMass, I went to UMass Amherst, I was on the wrestling team. And in my wrestling coach's office, you know, they have plaques and stuff, but he had a little index card with a quote typed on. And you had to really search to find it. And there was only one sentence. And it said, if you really want to be a champion, then the work is no problem. And the only word I italicized in that sentence was really. If you really want to be a champion, then the work is no problem. So that's what we're talking about. There's a big difference between I want to be a champion and I really want to be a champion. So the takeaway here is maybe the three most powerful words in the English, English language are I want that. Once you know what your that is, everything becomes, oh, I want to be a podiatrist, but I also want to be a cardiologist and I want to be an emergency room physician. No, no, what, what, what do you want? I want to be an all-American offensive guard in football. You know, I want to leave the country and file in foul shooting and basketball. You know, I want to get into the electrical engineering program at MIT. What's your that? And if you don't have your that, your that is to figure out your that. That's
1: your that. Awesome. What about uh, Dr. Terry Wersbacher? At four years old, found her that, right? At four years old, the good Lord told her she was going to be a doctor. What did she do for the next, you know, 20, 30 years of her life? She chased being a doctor. That was her that.
0: Yeah. And then she's at the University of Vermont, a very good school. She does really well in school, and she might applies to medical school, and she doesn't get in. Then she applied to medical school again, and she didn't get in. Then she applied to medical school, and the third time was the charm she got in. So when she speaks to my classes, I say, Dr. Cherry, how many times would you apply before you'd give up? She said, I'd still be applying today. I said, that's ridiculous. Why? She said, because God told me I was going to be a doctor. And God doesn't lie. <laughs> so that just shows your your belief system, you know? I mean, what are your beliefs?
1: What do you believe? And if you believe it strong enough, you will really, really, really chase it.
0: Yeah. Well, because the world isn't the way it is. The world is the way we are. Hmm. So most people say, well, if I didn't get in twice, then they don't want me. No, 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 no. They want me, they just don't know it yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yet, yet is a good word. word. I I may not have done it yet, but I'm going to do it. You know, there's no doubt about that. That's awesome.
0: Well, I can't do it, period, is failure. I can't do it yet is the late success.
1: No doubt about it. Well, Doc, I just want to tell you, thank you. And I want to tell everybody that's listening, Merry Christmas. We are at the seven seven month mark. We've had, this will be episode number 60, which is seven months of doing this, which has been fantastic. So I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Doc, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. You have no idea how many people in this world you bless. You may have a little bit of an idea, but there are people you bless that you you really don't know because we're not always great at affirming other humans. And I just want you to know that, man, you have been awesome to me. And I have uh, been very much inspired by you know the influence that you've been on me and the fact that you can have the discipline and the desire and the want to and the health and everything else to do 11,994 success hotlines in a row is absolutely amazing and you know you are the greatest storyteller in the world and you know i'm thankful that you have graced us i'm thankful that you have graced me in my life you know so i'm very very thankful and i'm thankful for the the old miss shirt today man like what about that christmas day hottie toddy right like doc yeah, the the prepared and it's, it's a hat um, so
0: I appreciate you
1: saying I'm
0: the greatest storyteller in the world, which isn't the truth, but you want to know what the truth is? You have the greatest story in the world. Okay. So any of our coaches out there, you get coach, uh, Perry on zoom or bring him into your school to tell the story about him, his friend and his coach. It's a life changing story. Well, so can I just end with the, um, be guaranteed because you know you can't be a speaker teacher or coach without guaranteeing stuff yes so this is my guarantee it's the rob gilbert guarantee matter of fact it's a, a lifetime guarantee so anybody listening to coach perry's pod, podcast if there's any way i could help you all you have to do is call me 973-985-4138 973-985-4138 now let me tell you what i mean by help uh Real estate, don't call me. Problems with your children, don't call me. Problems with your car, don't call me. Problems with your romance, don't call me. But I know college. But here's what I could help you with. If you have a speech coming up and you need a story, you know, if you're writing something, and you need a quote, I'm really, really good at helping people with speeches and with stories and well, things like that. So if you say, wow, I, I got to speak at this athletic awards banquet. Well, we'll figure out a story that will knock them dead. And um now here's what I like if you say, Hey, Rob, um, I got this talk coming up in two weeks. Can you help me? I said, hey, Sure, I can. I, but the, what I love is when you call me up <laughs> and you're frantic and you say, Dr. Gilbert, in two hours, I have to get up in front of 2,000 people that I don't know what to say. Then, then I get excited. I said, Okay, I'll, don't worry, we'll get you through this. We'll get you through this.
1: Hey, think about this. And y'all, y'all may not know you know, that he just left you a cell, phone, a cell phone number any minute. But I have excited Doc before because I have called him at the last minute on a Saturday and been like, Doc, man, I, I need some help, you know. And Doc spent an hour with me on a Saturday getting me prepped up for a for a speech I had coming up on Monday. So, you know, if you need some help, man, Doc is fantastic. And yeah, there's, there's one thing, you know, there are loopholes in all guarantees, <laughs>
0: And, Coach, I'm 76 years old. Don't ask me in 15 or 20 years to help you out, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, ask I'll too, now.
0: I'll be too busy trying to find my walker, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. Well, thank you very much, Doc. Man, okay. It was awesome to see you. Awesome to spend the time with you. Everybody that's listening, Merry Christmas. And as always. So, I I put this
0: back in this special hat box that has all the conditioner in it. I yes.
1: Mean, this is it. Yes. And we'll see that hat again soon, I'm sure. Until- thank you very much, Coach Perry. Hey, thank you. And everybody listening, thank y'all. Merry Christmas. Until next time, adios, amigos. Birdie caps
0: are lightweight, one size fits all football helmet covers for the practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact, depending on the speed and location. Great for the repetitive, sub concussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows. Used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian Caps can help protect that helmet investment.